Destination Love with Shelly Pumphrey. This is not a program about becoming the perfect date or how to get that special someone you've been admiring to notice you. Instead, we'll bring you the science behind how to find love and show how being your true self generally works best. Now, here's your host, Shelly Pumphrey. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. This is Shelly, your host, and I want to just welcome you to Destination Love. Um, I want to, well, I'm excited to talk about this topic today. I think I'm excited about every topic I talk about because they're all interesting. They're all, um, you know, different takes on what it takes to find love or to create healthy relationships. And today we actually have a unique angle that we're going to take on this. Um, and I'm going to... The, the opportunity was presented to me to talk about this guest or to bring her on. And I thought, hmm, this sounds like a really interesting topic. And you'll know why here in a sec. Um, we're going to be talking about middle-aged or older women who date younger men. Basically, that cougar, cougar cub relationship. And, you know, the reason I thought it was interesting is because I see this a lot in people that I work with. I see it yeah, out in the community that I live in. Um, I, I have an office in a neighborhood in Denver that is particularly known for um, a lot of kind of well, you see a lot of cougar cub relationships in this area, and I see that there's a lot of people that make fun of it or a lot of people that are disgusted by it or people who are totally into it and curious about it. So I thought it would be great to have somebody come on and talk about this kind of cultural phenomenon that we have. Maybe it's not even a phenomenon. It's just a part of um, you know, one way that people find love in relationships. So today we have a really interesting guest here. Uh, we have Susanna Matthews. She is known as the Date Maven. And she just wrote a book called Revising Mrs. Robinson. And I had no idea. For those of you who are old enough to remember the movie um, uh, about Mrs. Robinson, it's been 50 years since that movie came out. So, um, you know, for those millennials that might be listening, you may have no idea what I'm talking about. But basically, it was a great movie called The Graduate that was about um, an older woman and a younger man having um, this relationship. So, Susanna wrote this book. Susanna is a self-confessed love junkie and an expert in first impression management and gender communication. She specializes in soulful spiritual relationships, intergenerational dating, and high net worth relationships. She believes in love favors the brave. I love that. I want to know more about that, actually, (laughs) Susanna. And she's dedicated to helping people amplify their vibration in order to better attract, give, and receive love. She works one-on-one and in small group settings and uses a unique blend of marketing and branding strategies and tools for personal growth and self-improvement to help people in their relationships. And Susanna has been featured on a lot of different local and regional media outlets and has contributed to a variety of digital and print articles on a wide range of dating topics. And she um, works as a communications coach. She helps executives and business leaders to repair, polish, and perfect their public presentations and interpersonal communication skills 
man, you've done a lot. <laughs> um, and she Never was, a dull moment. <laughs> it sounds like it. So you were inspired to write Revising Mrs. Robinson to tackle the controversial topics of sexism, ageism, and the stigmas relating to intergenerational dating between older men and younger women. Older women and younger men. Man, that's a mouthful. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here today. So welcome, Susanna. Well, thank so glad you for to have that you. warm welcome, Sally. Absolutely. Yeah, I am just like dying to hear about this. Because like <laughs> I said, there's so many different perceptions about this in the world that we live in. And I want to help people open up to what this actually means. I, I myself, I've never been in a cougar cub relationship. I t- typically prefer older men <laughs> or okay. young or men that are my age. So I really want to know about this um, so that, you know, I can help my clients that get involved in these relationships and just to understand it more. So tell us, why is this such a hot topic right now? Well, you know, I think we do see a lot of examples in the media. Um, I'm thinking of mainstream music like Fergie's song that was out last year, Milf Money, and some characters in some TV shows like Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce and Significant Mother, the the age gap relationship was kind of a plot device there. But like you said, we do kind of have to look back 50 years to the 1967 movie, The Graduate. And do you know that Anne Bancroft was only 36 when that movie came out? She played the role of Mrs. Robinson. That just doesn't sound that old to me now. And to have an, I think it was a seven-year age gap. She was only seven years older than Dustin Hoffman. But Hollywood saw that as a significant enough age gap for her to play the older woman and him the younger man. And nowadays, I don't think we would really consider that a huge generational difference. True. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know she was that young. Yeah. So I look at things like that. And because I'm a curious person and I'm a little bit of a rebel and a contrarian thinker, if someone says, ooh, or ick, or that's so weird, or what's up with that, I want to ask why. I want to know, why is it not normal, or why are you having that knee-jerk reaction? I'm interested in the outliers, particularly when it comes to love and relationship. And that's always been true for me. 20, 25 years ago when I was in college, uh, you know, I was of that era where we were talking about ageism, and we were talking about sexism, and we were talking about how those sort of cultural conventions and expectations impacted our lives as women. And so I've always kind of carried that lens or that point of view with me. And when I was when I was teaching college, I was teaching speech and drama, um, I'd occasionally get hit on by younger students, but I just kind of dismissed it as a little odd and I didn't think much about it and no big deal. And then it wasn't until about five or six years ago, um, I had gone through or was going through a breakup and I was feeling ready to date right away. And I found myself the object of young male attention. And um, I was 38 and spending time with some guys who were like 13, 14 years younger. And then suddenly every tabloid headline about, oh, you know, Madonna or Jennifer Lopez or, or uh, whoever, suddenly those seemed to pop out at me and pull my eye. And I'd never paid attention to that before. And I felt a little ill at ease in my own skin. And I was normally a really confident, progressive woman. And so I said, what? up with you, girl. What's that about? And so that's when I wanted to dive in to the research. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about it. Like, one of the things I'm curious about is even just this term cougar. And like, does it, you know, to me, it feels like that has kind of this 
kind of demeaning kind of feeling to it or offensive kind of word, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's such a mixed bag, that word. So one of the first questions that I asked the women I interviewed was, how do you feel about that word? Are you okay with it? Is it empowering? Is it a strong word for you, a word you're proud of? Or do you feel that it's demeaning or um, that people use it in kind of a, a negative way? And a lot, of, a lot of the women were not embracing it. But they had also kind of gotten to the point where they, they just weren't thinking about it too much. And whatever people want to say, they can say, you know, I'm just doing me. I'm, I'm just doing what I do. Um, and so I think that the term originated, legend has it or myth has it, that it originated in the uh, locker room of a Canadian hawker, hockey team and that the middle-aged fans, female fans who would hang out after the games and maybe kind of go back to the locker room area after the games, that they became known as cougars. So I was interested in the origin of the term, and then I was also kind of interested in had it been replaced by MILF, or was there some better term that we could uh-huh. use that's a little, a little less cliche? Interesting. I would never, like, that you could even trace it back to that, because sometimes it just feels like we just use these words and we don't even know where they come from. Um, right. So it's like, almost, like it kind of sounds... Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say I had speculated that probably some stand-up comic or, you know, comedy <laughs> show writer had drafted into a script somewhere, and that's where it came from. Right. Okay. Well, good. I like that we know the history there. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about the most noticeable ways you think this generation gap shows up for us or in these relationships? Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, it can sure manifest in a lot of different ways, whether it's reference points that uh, one member of a couple makes um, to maybe parts of their past or their, their youth or their growing up years to the way they communicate and the, the mediums through which they communicate, um, through the way money is handled, attitudes about sex. I mean, pretty much every major pillar of a relationship. But one thing that I also wanted to sort of call out, if you will, is how whatever relationship we're in, it says something about us. It's a bit of a mirror to who we are. We get a lot of identity from our relationships, whether it's same age or with someone older, younger, whatever. And when a woman is in this type of relationship, sometimes it was calling into question for her, you know, well, what does this say about me? And who am I? And am I comfortable in this role? And I thought that was interesting because for all the progress we've made educationally and economically, the majority of our mediated messages still drive home, even in 2017, that we're ultimately valued for our youth and our beauty. And there is little to no interest or conversation around aging and sexuality and personal identity. There are a few authors out there who are talking mm-hmm. about it, um, but they are the rare gems. And again, where you can take a woman who's kind of a smart, savvy, uh, confident woman who shows up as powerful in every part of her life, you put her into this kind of relationship, and suddenly it's sort of like she's a little... She's a little weakened by um, some of her internal self-talk and maybe even self-sabotage that might be happening in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. And I, do you? I, one question that's kind of popping up for me as you're as you're talking about this. Maybe it's a tiny bit off topic, but it's heavy in my mind. So, do you think there's a difference between? Um, 
how we see an older man who's with a younger woman um, versus the older woman who's with a younger man in our culture. Like, do they are men able to get away with it more, or are there similar kind of, um, you know, judgments or misperceptions around it that people have? Yeah, well, that's a little bit of a mixed bag. I think certainly um, it doesn't. Um, the, the older men who are dating younger women probably don't get quite the side eye <laughs> that the older women dating younger men do. Um, there's a little more cultural acceptance, although, of course, there are always really extreme cases where, um, you know, even some older men might take some ribbing or some teasing about a, a midlife crisis or a trophy girlfriend or what have you. But I think that we kind of instinctively understand, um, and I don't want to nerd out on you at all, but there's a little bit of an evolutionary <laughs> Go ahead, nerd out. <laughs> route. <laughs> we like nerd stuff a, on the show too, okay? <laughs> yeah, good. Well, when you said you like to look at the science of attraction, I'm like, this yeah. is my chick. See, and they are going to get along. <laughs> yeah, do tell. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, um, it has always been evolutionarily advantageous for women to make really wise dating and mating choices. And those are usually choices that have to do with who is going to be the best protector provider. Now, I realize that sounds a little cave woman-y or cave manny, but, you know, if you think about how long our survival as a species really depended on that mindset, there's still a little bit of that attitude hardwired into our brains. To, and maybe we don't overtly admit to this, but we still have to think about our um, sexual choices and, and the consequences of those choices. Yeah. I And I am so glad you brought that up because we do talk about that on the show. And we've had different guests. And I, I do a lot of talk about attachment and how um, mm-hmm. our brains are wired to connect into partners. And that is a very different way, um, like, we don't realize sometimes how powerful those biological influences are um, to keep us connected to certain partners when, you know, we think it's all conscious. Like, I like yeah. who I like, and I want to date this person. But you bring up a great point that really there's also, also this evolutionary kind of piece to all of this. And no matter how empowered or modern day we may be, um, we can't escape the power of the wiring of our brains to keep us alive as a species. Yes, that's so well put. I really like how you said that. And and we live in a culture where divorce rates, I think, continue to hover around 50%. Uh, correct me if, if I'm wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and higher good. education, um, I think women are graduating from college in higher numbers than men are these days. So that translates to higher earning power. So on the one hand, we feel like, okay, um, Maybe we need to make space for something called the mixed-collar marriage, where maybe the female is the white-collar earner and the male is the the blue-collar earner. And so we've got, like, a social science research telling us that that's the reality. But at the same time, that sort of internal wiring going, oh, but I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah. Wow. Um, That's a whole other kind yeah, of topic right whole, there that's really fascinating yeah. to, to think of it that way because I can I see that out in the world for sure mm-hmm. um, yeah and it's incredibly powerful to pay attention to the you know the wiring there um, mm-hmm. so okay so what um, let me think what else 
talk a little bit more just about some of the resistance or the judgment that old, like these older women may feel when they're dating a younger man? Yeah, so sometimes that comes from their peer group, maybe their coworkers or their friends. There were a number of couples I interviewed or, or women I interviewed who did commit or did confess to me rather that um, they kept the relationship a little bit more quiet, uh, more secretive, more on the, more on the down low uh, for a long time. And um, sometimes that was difficult for the men involved because, hey, no one wants to be your dirty little secret, right? You know, no one wants to feel like, why can't we kind of walk in the sun? And the men were so much more accepting and open-minded than even the women were. And so that, that's an area where, you know, com- uh, communication is key in any relationship at any age, at any stage. But that's where the age gap couple has to work even harder to communicate so that she can communicate, well, here are my fears, here are my reservations, here's, here's what I'm worried about, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry that I'm not maybe bigger or stronger or above this, but this is just where my head is. And so right. that he can support her and really be gentle with her and understand um, that maybe she can't be quite as, as brazen and bold as, as he can be for kids, for work, for whatever reason. Right. Well, and you know, one of the things that I have seen in women in relationships like this is sometimes they almost have this feeling of disbelief. Like, mm-hmm. how could this man love me? Like, is he just using me or... Yeah. Um, like it brings up a lot of self-worth issues in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and that ties into that whole hiding thing as well. Like I'm afraid to be judged by people, um, you know, and if you're, to me, I feel like if you're, if you're okay with who you are, if you're confident in, you know, you as a person and, and see yourself as a woman of value, it doesn't matter who you're dating, you're going to be okay putting it out there regardless of what society might think or say, Um you know, but I I, t- I tend to see that with some of these, um, you know, women that I've worked with over the years. Yeah. Well, that kind of opens up the can of worms that is research on female confidence. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, whole other thing, a, huh? Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole other series. Um, but I, I just finished reading Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, which I bet a lot oh. of your audience is familiar yes, with. Yes, yes. And... And, and she talks about, I mean, here's this woman who's the COO of Facebook. She's worked for the Treasury. She's worked for Google. She has an MBA from Harvard. My goodness, if she can't be confident, who can be, right? You know, right, she, right. she's everything. But she admits to um, certain situations and certain stories in her life where she really felt like, am I doing okay? Am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Is this, you know... So there's no one there ahead of me to mentor me and tell me that this is acceptable. And I think every single woman on the planet, no matter how accomplished she is, has probably had a crisis of confidence at some point in time. And a a relationship with a younger man will... Um, we'll bring that to the forefront if nothing else ever has before. For sure. You know, what I would love to talk more about uh, this confidence issue and how to help women handle that and just comments and things that come up. So we're going to take a quick commercial break here and we will be back and continue that discussion in a few. And everyone, you're listening to Destination Love. We'll see you in a few. Streaming live. 
leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to Shelley Pumphrey, and um, I've got Susanna Matthews here. We are talking about... The age gap dynamics of the cougar-cub relationship, the older women and younger men type of relationship. And before we took a commercial break, we were starting to talk about the kind of the confidence crisis that women can get into in any relationship, but especially in a relationship like this where you might have some judgment um, coming from the people around you. So, Susanna, do you have some ways to help people handle this confidence issue and just the snarky kind of comments and stuff that can come up? Yeah. So, you know, I actually, I am committed to um, diplomacy and, you know, even though I said I'm kind of a contrarian thinker, I'm not necessarily looking for a bar fight. Um, I really think that there's a lot of negativity that can just kind of be dissolved with taking the high road and really being classy in your responses. And so in some of the chapters of my book, I I sort of pseudo script some of these retorts. And sometimes I'll be honest, I think it's incumbent upon the gentleman to step up and speak, uh, you know, and just sort of be old fashioned and, you know, defend your lady and and say, you know, I, you know, pity anyone who underestimates her. She's a grown, powerful woman who's, quite capable of making the best choices for her life, and I'm lucky that she's chosen me. You know, kind of going that route can diffuse any verbal attacks because um, it just shows that you're a, a united front and that you're not going to let those kinds of comments undermine you and get you down. Now, it's one thing to do that with maybe coworkers or friends or some stranger at a bar. It's another thing if the negativity is coming from people who are intimate with you, such as a son or a daughter, a sister, a parent, you know, someone whose opinion you really value and trust. 
And so that can be maybe a longer process that you invest a little bit more in communicating in and, and really just explaining what your relationship goals are and knowing what are, what are you getting from the relationship? What, what needs are being met and what are you giving? And when people begin to see that this is a healthy relationship between adult people who are striving to meet each other's needs and make each other happy and there's a little more meat to it, um, then slowly they, they come around. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And that, I think, goes for anything, really. Um, but, um, you know, I, I like just being confident, being okay with who you are. Um, you know, and I, and I like your take that you don't want to start a bar fight, you know. Right. <laughs> I think that's a great <laughs> yeah, way to, to look at it. Yeah, like, you know, to me, it's just like own it. And when you own it, there you can own it with, like, quiet grace and power is kind of how exactly. I think of it. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be this in-your-face kind of thing. Um, right. It's okay. I always ask my clients, regardless of what kind of dating situation they desire, I always ask them, who are you and what do you want? And that's a, that's a spirit-based question. It's not an ego-based question. So I'm not asking you about, you know, what kind of car do you want to drive and how old is your Rolex and so forth. It's, it's really who are you and what do you want at that soulful spiritual level. And if your answers to that open up the door in terms of age or race or whatever, then so be it. Um, I looked at a lot of the research on racism just because it, it, there was such a direct connection to the research on ageism and sexism. Mm-hmm. And I found something that Jesse Jackson said, and he said that um, being excellent is the best deterrent to racism that there is. So just be mm-hmm. excellent at who you are and what you do. And, and I think yeah. that's good advice for any relationship. If you can just be excellent within your relationship, then pretty soon that, that uh, malicious chatter starts to quiet yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, one thing that I always like to kind of remind people too is that if people are giving you some, if they're hassling you about it or, or you're hearing some negative comments, um, it's uh, like never assume that it's about you. Like people right. are going to try to make it about you, but if somebody has an issue with it, it's really about them. And it's, you don't have to defend yourself when you come at it from a place like that. Like, you know, somebody putting something on you like that is like, who knows what their story is? Who knows right. why they're making these assumptions or these judgments or they feel afraid? Maybe they want a cougar relationship and they're jealous, you know, like mm-hmm. you just don't, you you don't know. So tr- I would say don't take it personal if at all yeah. possible. Um, it, it's always about their stuff. Always. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and also just kind of understanding that we are often such a product of our culture. And we grow up with, whether we, whether we want to or not, and are aware of it or not, we grow up with certain biases and expectations that are taught to us just by our environment. And right. so people are going to carry that with them. Um, again, I'm going to wave my nerd flag and uh, tell you that <laughs> one, of the, one of the favorite terms that I discovered and got to use in my book was a term called female hypergamy. And it's really just a fancy word, Shelley, for, hey, there's a rule that says that women cannot date down. Women can only aspire to date up or uh. date their socioeconomic equivalent, but women are discouraged from 
dating down, and I'm putting that in air quotes as I say that, but, but uh-huh. that means dating I someone who's a, a lesser lesser status in terms of so, socioeconomics. Um, so let's just ask ourselves if that rule still makes sense. Does uh-huh. that rule serve us still? Wow, that's a great question. And to me, so there's it's your new kind vocabulary of, word. Right. Say it again. What was the word again? It's female hypergamy. Hypergamy. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I know the answer, but um, I know my answer. You know, right. your mate is your mate. Your partner is your partner, no matter what. Um, so that's that's a really great thing for people to reflect on. So. I wanted to ask you about something that you talk about called the double jeopardy of ageism and sexism. What is that exactly? Yeah. Well, so a woman who is in this kind of relationship is sort of in a crosshairs of sorts. Um, Ageism, you know, any kind of ism is a stereotype or a prejudice or a set of conditions or rules that are uh, maybe kind of imposed upon a group. Um, whether they be useful or not. And um, we see ageism probably any time we turn on the television. Um, Many women have personal stories about ageism in the workplace and in their careers, uh, ageism in the media. I mean, that's just, that's a pretty hot topic. But any time there's an expectation about who you ought to be or who I ought to be uh, because we're women um, and we feel that that expectation limits us in some way, well, that's ageism. And the same is true for sexism. Or, excuse me, I, I reversed that. Um, I just defined uh, sexism. And, and ageism would be who you're supposed to be and who I'm supposed to be based on what's age appropriate. Oh, if you're in your 20s, this is how you should act. If you're in your 60s, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, there's expectations right. about what kinds of behaviors or modes of dress or whatever go along with whatever age. And so women kind of have that double-barrel expectation put upon them behave like this because you're female and behave like this because you're 40s or 50s or what have you. And so that's um, that's where there's sort of a, an extra shackle, if you will, um, that is sometimes placed upon middle-aged women. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's all those shoulds, you know, mm-hmm. be a good girl, be a nice girl, do, you know, always do the right thing. I think women get so much of that. Um you know, in our culture, in any culture, really. Um, The good news is that oftentimes, by the time we're 45 or 55, we've mm -hmm. kind of gone, okay, I've spent enough of my years making other people happy, and it's my turn now. So true. And I wonder if that's part of why it's, you do get more of this phenomenon, uh, because Mm -hmm. women are okay with it. Like, I know what I want, you know, and I do Mm -hmm. stop caring at a certain age, to a certain extent, at least. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's you, you've kind of earned it, I think, at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. So, um, any advice you have for women who are trying to figure out what age range to date in? Well, I would really look at your lifestyle and how do you want to live. So, if you want a really active, adventurous lifestyle, you want to go out and do things and travel and share a sense of awe with your partner and you're you're physically up to that task, 
then you may want to consider dating someone who is younger. If you're looking for a little bit more of a sedentary lifestyle or passive lifestyle, um, you know, let's go home and relax with a glass of wine in front of the fireplace or some TV. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just be honest about what kind of lifestyle you're seeking. That might be something that you more readily find with an older partner. And what kinds of things culturally resonate with you? So for using myself as an example, I love um, top 40 music and hip-hop music and trance music, electronic. I love a lot of those sort of aspects of youth culture. Um, and someone else who's my age might not. They might be much happier going to the symphony or listening to public radio or what have you. So it's kind of a matter of personal taste there. One of my favorite quotations, which I shared in the book, uh, came from Satchel Paige, who said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Mm, I love that. Yes. I think many of us have a mental age or a psychological age Mm -hmm. that may or may not line up with our physical age. And certainly scientists are telling us that there's a difference between biological age and chronological age. In this day and age of healthcare, we can have a biological age, which refers to how well does your body work, how high-functioning is your body, how healthy are you. We can have a a much younger age because we're sleeping well, we're low stress, we're eating well, we're exercising, we're taking care of our bodies. Likewise, we can also have a much older uh, biological age than than our actual chronological age. If we're smoking and we're not getting enough rest and we're sedentary and we have a high fat diet or something like that. So the age that's on your driver's license doesn't tell me a whole lot about who you are and how you live. Absolutely. And I would add, not even biological and chronological, but as a therapist, we have our emotional developmental level, Mm -hmm. our emotional age, a mental age, and I'll just throw in the spiritual age, too. I hear a lot of people talk about people being old souls or, you know, for those of you who are kind of in the woo-woo space that listen to my show. Yeah. um, You know, so to me, like, our bodies... This is going to sound gross, but I just call it a meat sack. Like, that's what it is. It's just, it's bones and skin and organs that are, that cover up the essence of who we are. And that doesn't always, that's not always a match to our partner because as humans, we have so many aspects to ourselves. We have all those, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, sexual, physical, like we are we are not just one body. So um, finding that partner where you can match on all those different levels, it may require thinking outside of the age box and finding somebody who's 20 years younger than you, you know, you just never know. Um, And I could see, you know, like people that get really stuck with dating, like they get tired of, um, you know, they keep running into the same people, as they're dating and just aren't finding that right relationship, this might be an area to kind of explore, you know, just Mm -hmm. to put it out there as a possibility, especially if you feel like you're younger in some of those different ways that we just talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really like those distinctions that you make. And, you know, scientists have told us, that women have a greater level of erotic plasticity is, is kind of their their geeky term for it, which basically just means uh, I can be attracted to lots of different kinds of people, right? That's what mm-hmm. the plasticity part refers to. But, but they tell us that women tend to be more erotically plastic 
than men are. So Interesting. why not use that <laughs> to sort of experiment yeah. in different tastes and, and different preferences? That is really interesting. I'm curious, have you, um, in your research that you've done, did you look at what makes younger men attracted to older women? That was a question that I was kind of obsessed with, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, Shelley, I didn't fully answer it to my satisfaction, and I feel like uh-huh. this is an area where I want to do more research. Maybe if you have some young guys listening, they would reach out to me and send me a message, and you know we can talk. Um, but I, I had difficulty really getting younger men to open up and talk to me at the same rate that I was able to get middle-aged women to open up yeah. and talk to me. And I think a lot of it was that once I made my intentions clear, hey, I'm here for research, not for hooking up, um, you know, then there was a certain level of interest lost. Right. I can <laughs> um, imagine. But, but, yeah, but, you know, I wanted to be really honest about my intentions and not uh, dangle a carrot that I wasn't willing to, you know, fulfill. Um, but, yeah, sometimes younger men didn't want to be sort of probed or explored um, or questioned mm-hmm. in that way or, or maybe thought I was going to challenge them in some way, and that really wasn't my intention. Um, but I did, I did find some interesting research about kind of what sets our attraction templates. Those mm-hmm. often get set early in life. Um, it can happen in a moment that may seem really unnotable, you know, no, no particular like lightning bolt moment. Um, it could be as simple as a little boy playing under the dining room table with his Hot Wheels and catching a glimpse of mom walking by, setting the table in her high-heeled shoes, and, you know, just some little right. um, moment like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would like to hear from any male listeners who would maybe want to weigh in on that. What do you love about older women? You know, so many men talked about, I love that there's less game playing. I love their confidence. They know what they want in bed. They are self-assured. They don't put up with BS. Um, you know, there were a lot of those things that were mentioned, but I feel like there's more there for me to dig into and discover. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like it. I would just be really curious because I hear, like, again, I'm thinking of the words that I hear people throw around out of not understanding or out of judgment or misperception. And I hear things like he's got mama, mommy issues, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, he's using her for, you know, sometimes it's more about money. Like I see the, the socioeconomic dis, uh, differences there um, yeah. that can have a play into it as well. So um, I would, and I'm, you know, it's different for everybody, of course, but I would be really curious to, to have some of that feedback if you if you get more guys to open up for sure yeah well you know I, I from the women I talked to most of them were not women I would have described as being extraordinarily nurturing at least not mm-hmm. maybe to their children but not to the men they were in relationships with so the mm. whole mommy issue thing I just kind of took it off the table it just didn't seem cool. to bear out yeah interesting mm. that makes it you know when you say that I I'm I have in mind several people that I've uh, worked with or known in my life that have been in relationships like this, and I don't see any of them as particularly, you know, nurturing, like kind of how you're describing either. So Mm -hmm. um, that does make sense to, you know, 
again, think outside of the box. We have our assumptions that we make about things and then we spread, you know, we talk about it in our talk with, with people and it spreads throughout our, our world. And, um, we never know where really, you know, we don't really know what the truth is unless we dig around and do research on it like you've been doing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the most flattering questions you can ask any couple, regardless of their age or stage in life or how long they've been together is a question like, well, what do you two love each other about? Love, love about each other, or what? What initially attracted you to each other? And that's a pretty innocent question. If you're curious to know about that age gap couple or any couple, um, you know, if you ask it with a tone of genuine curiosity and a tone that kind of implies that you hold the relationship in esteem, then that person's probably going to open up to you a little bit more yeah. than. What do you see in him? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. I agree. Sounds like the the better way to do it. We are going to take a quick break here, Susanna. Um, We will be back. You're listening to Destination Love. If you want to check out my Facebook page, you can go to Authentic Date, and uh, we'll see you in a few. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Attention, if you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Welcome back, everyone. We are here talking to Susanna Matthews, the author of Revising Mrs. Robinson. We've been talking about um, the interesting aspects of the relationship between a middle-aged woman and a younger man. And um, Susanna, one of the things, you know, we were kind of starting to talk about how to, how to, 
ask somebody like, what do they see in this person or how, you know, how did you guys meet or something like that? Can you talk a little bit about what you think makes for a good lasting relationship and maybe how people could tell if they're, you know, if they're in a relationship like this as an older woman and a younger man, um, how do they know if this is a relationship that will last? Yeah, how how do we know if it's a relationship that has legs? Well, regardless of the age or stage of the relationship, I think I would be curious to identify what's your communication style and your conflict resolution style because the way you fight and make up is really going to be a big determiner of your overall happiness and longevity. And um, you spoke of attachment styles earlier, and, and that plays a huge piece in that knowing if someone has an avoidant or dismissive avoidant attachment style or if they're anxious or if they can be securely attached, that's really where kind of the crystal ball is at in in knowing is this relationship going to go the distance and do we have what it takes. And, And I would also say for the couple that's really looking to create glue in the relationship and do the work to make it go the distance, be intentional about having experiences that give you a shared sense of adventure and awe because that will really create a bond in your relationship um, that will transcend some of the other challenges. Like, you don't know who Huey Lewis in the news is? What? You didn't grow up listening to them? You know, things like that. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's uh, totally uh, good information. And I agree on the attachment stuff. Um, I just can't say enough to people about how big of an influence this is on your relationships. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, most people don't have any idea of what attachment is. Um, for those of you who listen to the show, hopefully you do by now, because I do talk about it a lot. Um, but that can lead to very compatible relationships if you have compatible attachment styles, or it can be very, or lead to very incompatible relationships if you have incompatible styles. And this is not something that has anything to do with an age gap in a relationship. Everybody has an attachment style and it will play out in any relationship that you have, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or a family relationship, um, you can't avoid it. So it's important to learn about it and be aware. Amen um, to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, a funny thing kind of happened to me, Shelly, after the book came out, and, and it took me a little bit to kind of understand why um, women started coming up to me and telling me, like just kind of blurting out, hey, I was at the grocery store and this younger guy hit on me. What? Why? Why do you do that? <laughs> they they just sort of put me on the spot uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and tell me their stories of being approached by a younger man. And they, they'd want an answer. What, what, why would he do that? It's like, well, you're an attractive woman in his eyes. Like, what, what further explanation do you need? Um, and then I, and then I kind of realized maybe why they were asking why, I think a lot of times um, they, they might see examples of this type of relationship on Entertainment Tonight or Inside Edition or whatever, you know, they see Cher or Tina Turner or uh-huh. Chris Jenner or some reality star, Demi Moore, Julianne Moore, you know, all these women who are actresses, they're gorgeous, they're, they have all this money to spend on preserving youth and working out and 
And they just don't, they don't always relate. And so they think, I'm just an, I'm an accountant or I'm a, I'm a teacher. You know, what, why would anyone right. who's younger be hitting on me? And so I hope that if nothing else comes of my book, I hope that those women who are not A-list celebrities that are just kind of typical average American women, I hope that they will see something for themselves in revising Mrs. Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's um, pretty powerful. Like, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for love out there that we sometimes don't allow ourselves to open up to because of, you know, beliefs like this, like, you know, it's not right to be in a relationship like that, or Mm -hmm. it's weird or whatever. Um, So why deny yourself? You know, I think you're opening up my mind to, uh, you know, thinking, well, hey, if this works for somebody, why not? What's, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no problem with that. And you, you know, you started to talk a little bit about just like people in the media. And I'm thinking of, you know, certain, uh, you know, famous couples, movie stars, people like that, that we see that get a lot of attention because of the age differences. Um, What kind of power do you think that has on us in our data? I mean, you kind of already had talked about, you know, one aspect to it of, almost this disconnect, like, I'm not that, I'm not a movie star, I'm not that kind of person, but how else does that influence us? Well, you know, I wonder if we not only see the star having that, but we also kind of get to be the audience or part of the peanut gallery on seeing the pushback. And so as you're standing in line at the grocery store and you see that tabloid cover and there's, you know, Heidi Klum spotted with younger man and it's a headline, like it's something newsworthy. The fact that someone saw fit to take a picture and write a story and make a headline, that implies there's something really different about this. Look over here, right? And I'm not sure whether I think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Because it does highlight and underscore that it's so very, very unusual. Right. Um, And and I'm not sure that women can really fully identify. And and maybe they sort of get a cautionary tale like, well, I realize I'm not a celebrity, but I sure wouldn't want the people in my peanut gallery saying those things that are in that headline. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like you have an open, like, an open mind to it because this is the work that you're doing. But I feel like people see that and there's this underlying kind of tone of this is wrong. Now, you know, a a level, a level kind of below different. It's like, that's taboo. That's not the right thing to do. Um, And I think, you know, hopefully, you know, if people read your book or, or hear interviews like this where you're kind of expanding their horizons about it, um, people can start to think differently about yeah. those kinds of judgments that can be made. Well, one thing to remember about those types of judgments is that they depend on stereotypes. And yeah. it is the nature of stereotypes to give exaggerated pictures, to give distortions. It's the nature of stereotypes to emphasize certain characteristics and omit other characteristics. It's the the nature of stereotypes to leave little room for change, growth, evolution, um, or for individual variation. And so I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying do this or don't do this, but I am saying 
um, observe and notice the stereotypes yes. that might be impacting your life. And the first step to, to countering them is just to be mindful of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Perfect. So I just want to, we are about uh, near the end of the show here and I want to leave a, a couple of minutes to talk about, you know, how people can find you, but is there any last minute tips or, or you know, something that you feel like you really want to share with the listeners that we haven't covered here today? Just a quick thing. Sure. Well, a lot of times people will ask me, okay, so where would I go to meet this younger man? Where would I find uh-huh. him? And, and the answer is really just anywhere and everywhere and, and all the same places you would go to make new friends, build your network, and meet any age man for dating. And it's just a matter of kind of tuning your radar to a different frequency so that instead of okay. going and flirting it up with someone who's 40 or 50 or so, you're flirting it up with um, someone who's 25 or 35 or whatever. Uh, a lot of the women I talked to had had success meeting younger men in the gym, at um, uh, like music festivals, fundraisers, online dating, apps, um, you know, really, really anywhere you would just meet new people. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of so, a matter of, expa- you know, taking those blinders off and expanding your view. Sure. So just kind of be open in that way. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Susanna, we are out of time here. Can you just quickly tell us where people can find your book or how they can find you to work with you? Sure. Well, my book is available on Amazon.com. It's called Revising Mrs. Robinson. And um, I would really love your feedback. If you read it, I would love to hear what you thought of it. Uh, for a review up there, if you feel so inclined. And then my website is www.thedatemaven.com. There's information there about the programs and services that I offer and the types of speaking engagements that are a good fit for me. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, just about any social media as well. So you can either look for my name, Susanna Matthews, or The Date Maven on any of those platforms. Awesome. Thank you. This has really been an interesting conversation today. I appreciate you coming. And uh, for those of you listeners, um, remember, you can find me at thelovestrategist.com. And please remember, I am offering a discounted price on my course on the four love styles that's all about attachment as we as we've been talking about today that discounted price is good through tomorrow thursday the 23rd of february so if you want to check that out you can go to my website again thelovestrategist.com and we will see you next week for making a weekly visit to Destination Love. Please join Shelley Pumphrey again next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be brave, be you, be loved.